0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Hillfields Church podcast where we talk about Jesus, how much we love him and what he's doing in our church. Here's this week's message. We pray it blesses you, but most importantly, that it changes you. Check it out. So 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 1. says, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Okay, I'm going to read another scripture. You, you, you can write it down, Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. I'm just going to read this bit. Um, but this is what it says. It says, Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him. Um, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor, and he and his two daughters dwelt in the cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there's no man on earth that would come um, basically sleep with us. So as is a custom of the earth, come let us make our father drink wine that we can lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and and lay with their father and he did not know um, that that had happened and it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, indeed I've done this, Um, you should do the same. I'm just paraphrasing now. Um, Yeah. it's like Enders reading this thing. And, um, and then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose, lay with him. Um, and thus both the daughters, from verse 36 of Lot, were with child with their father. And the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and his father of the Moabites to this day. A father of the Moabites to this day, and the younger she also bore a son and called his name Ben Ami, and he's father of the people of the Ammon to this day. So the enemy that is rising up against Jehoshaphat is because about 1,200 years before Lot's daughters decided to sin against God and against their father. Make a decision out of fear that ended up creating an enemy for God's people in the future. God wants some of you to know today that you're fighting battles right now. You're fighting battles today. You're fighting battles in this moment. You've been fighting battles in your life, and they were the results of poor decisions in the past. Now, some of them might be your poor decisions, but I feel like God's saying, actually, no, no, no. Some of the things that you're facing, some of the storms that you're in, some of the, the issues that you're actually having to deal with today are because people did not honor God in the past. Some of you may be fighting a battle of rejection because your parents failed to honor God with your life. There are people suffering from abuse, pain, wounds caused by people that did not honor God in how they should treat people. You're navigating battles not created by you and nevertheless, they're here. And that's why we've got 10 points. God's going to show you how to navigate through some of these things. There are battles that you are facing today. There are battles that this culture, this generation is facing today because people in the past did not honor God. There are are issues going on today. God has not been put where he should be in government. Where He hasn't been put where he should be in schools. He hasn't been put where he should be in homes. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord is no longer a statement made by many households. It's just made by a few. But God's plan is that if he's in the center, if he's actually where he needs to be in in society, in, in families, in education, and in government, if he's where he needs to be, that honors him. And then through honoring him, the next generation are blessed. But when that doesn't happen, we see things happen. And that's why a lot of bad things that happen in this world are not, they don't happen because... God is there allowing it all to happen it's happening because people have taken their eyes off of God maybe people here, you struggle with addiction, you struggle with addiction through choice we struggle through situations we battle through stuff because as human beings we fall short we take our eyes off of God and the moment we put our eyes on him suddenly we have strength to overcome things that we can't overcome in our own strength, is that right? Yeah? God has put these things in place. He's put these things in place for, the, for, for us to actually um, have a generation that will be blessed. And actually, I've been challenging a lot of people with this in recent months, but what are we going to do as this generation for the generation to come? I don't want the next generation to be saying, Oh, the reason it's even worse today is because people didn't honor God in our time. We need to honour God. We need to honour God as fathers, as mothers, as children, to parents, as people within places in society and neighbourhoods. If we honour God with our lives, it'll set a foundation for the generation that's coming through. So you are facing battles today because of other people's disobedience to God. And maybe that's a a thing that you need to know. Maybe you just need to realise, okay, I'm facing brokenness because of the way my parents treated me. And I have to work through that process. And I need to heal with God so that I won't become that to other people. Okay, chapter verse 2 in Chronicles. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamir, which in, is in En-Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. So Judea gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judea, and they came to seek the Lord. When in a situation where you feel overwhelmed, surrounded, and on the brink of defeat, feeling Feeling fear, yeah, maybe some of you are in fear right now, fear of what could happen, yeah, it hasn't happened, but that's what fear is, fear is there to drive something into you of that hasn't happened yet, but we start thinking the worst things, yeah, anyone else end up in a place where fear can drop in? And then you think of every worst-case scenario possible that goes along with it, yeah? That's what fear does to us. It grips us. It gets us into place. And we're paralyzed from even being able to move in, in, in the day, the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Because we've actually created something that doesn't even exist yet. It's not even there. That's what fear does. It, it, it consumes us. Maybe you feel like you're on the brink of defeat. Maybe you are surrounded. Maybe you are overwhelmed. But it says this. It says, set yourself to seek the Lord. Empty yourself of those feelings and fears and seek God. So the word set himself, the word set is a Hebrew word, which is nethen, which means turn. He turned his attention. You know, there's, uh, I don't know, in uh, in the army or whatever, it says attention, yeah, and everyone stands to attention, yeah? The, The whoever it is, the captain or whatever it might be, gets the attention. They've got full attention. What we do is we give our attention to the worst things, to fears, to what we're surrounded with, with the circumstances we're around. And we put our attention on those things. And what Jehoshaphat does this does when he st- hears what's going on, when he hears that the army is rising up to defeat them, it says he set himself. It means he turned his attention. Where's your attention right now? Where's your attention? Is it on the Lord? Or is it on something else? Where's your attention in your life? What's getting the, the, the majority of your time? The, the majority of the time up in your mind? Is it the Lord? Or is it something else? The Lord wants you to turn your attention. To change what you're giving attention to. And to put it on him. When we focus, when our focus is so on the problem, we get overwhelmed and defeated. Does anyone testify to that? Yeah, 100%. We focus so much on the problem, we get overwhelmed and we get defeated. But if despite the problem, we set ourselves to turn our attention from whatever is surrounding us to the Father who surrounds our enemies, yeah, there's a story in the Bible, isn't there, that Elisha and his servant. And he's like, we're surrounded by the enemy. And he says, Lord, show him what really is going on here. And what was happening is that the, the army of the Lord was surrounding the enemy. When we turn our attention to the Lord, we realize, hang on a minute. I'm not surrounded. They're surrounded. I'm not. This isn't winning. He is. God is already victorious. He's putting things in place. The other thing he did is he emptied himself of the fears by fasting. Fasting is to empty yourself, to allow God, yeah, to remove yourself of stuff. When we turn our attention from the problem to God, we allow ourselves to be emptied of the emotions that betray us, of the fears that consume us, to create an attitude of fasting and prayer before God. So here's for your notebook. Number one, turn your attention to the Lord, should come up. That's me. Okay, there we go. Turn your attention. So number one, turn your attention. And then number two, empty yourself of fear. So I don't know what you're facing right now, But God is saying you're giving it too much attention and him not enough. And as you give God the attention, fasting happens. I'm not talking about just giving up food. I'm talking about emptying yourself of the junk, of the fear, of the worry. Yeah? Allow God to empty you of these things. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judea and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out all the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? These are questions. Your people, Israel, and, um, that, and they dwell in it, and you have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, swords, judgment, pestilence, or famine, that we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now hear the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judea, with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. What he's saying to the Lord, he's like, God, I, did you not do this? And aren't you able to do this? And don't you have this power? And isn't it possible? And I'm remembering the stories that I've been told. Is this not the God that we serve? And, and then he's saying, but... And you didn't even let us destroy them when we could have destroyed them. Like, and now they're here. They're on the doorstep. He's having a conversation with God. And he's reminding himself of who God is. Here, Jehoshaphat is praying to God. In this prayer, he acknowledges God's sovereignty. He remembers God's covenant and his people with his people, and he recognizes God's presence and goodness. Number three, remember what God has already done. Remember what God has already done. How many of us <laughs> do this? And it's everyone, I'm, I'm going to answer. 100%, 100% record, we've all got it, okay? Forget what God has done when we're facing the next trial. Yeah, all of us forget that God has already brought us through something, and yet we're like, Oh Lord, I thought that you know that you might help me out here, God. And are you gonna what's gonna happen? What's happening? God's like, Did I did you did did not do this before? This is really important that when you face trials, God's already brought you through so many trials in your life. If you're here today breathing and alive, He's brought you through more than you even know. Rob said it in worship. He's things he's doing that you don't even know. He has been protecting you and rescuing you and saving you from things you never even knew existed. So if you're here, you're a miracle. But also we understand, don't we, that some of us were in some of the most darkest places you could possibly be. Hit rock bottom. Places depression. Depression. Strong addiction that seemed impossible to break free from. And yet you're not there now, are you? Yeah? Not there now. You're not in, in disobedience to God. You're not living a blind life where you're just completely blind to the existence of, the, of him being even being there. That's darkness. You are a miracle. So we don't need to look too far back. To see that God's done it before. So when things aren't happening, when you're thinking, well, this is a new issue, God, God's like, To me it's not it's nothing new. To God it's nothing new. To us it's new, but to God it's not. So when we're you know, anyone got children, yeah, you can have a baby and then you're like, Oh Lord, they they cry a lot. Ah. and then and then and then you're like, Oh, when they can walk. Be so much easier I can't be able to carry them anymore and then they start walking you're like oh lord why are they walking and then you've got to buy all those things to connect the cupboards so they can't open them and you know you've got to get a drill out and everything and all that put all those things together and put stair gates up and all that kind of stuff and you're like oh why was I praying for them to walk and then and then you're like oh they're not saying any words they're not speaking I remember with Claire, with Ben, like we, we were like worried about Ben. Well, Claire was more worried than I was. Like He's not speaking. I think it's not right. And his first word was moo, which is he's gone on to have a career in working with animals. So I think it was prophetic. But even then, she's like, is he just going to say animal noises for the rest of his life? I don't know. Yeah, we. And then and then and then they start speaking and then you think, oh, I wish they shut up. Oh, just yeah. Why? You haven't got that yet, have you? With Noah yet? But that's coming. Why? Because I said so. But why? (laughs) The why I want to know is why did I even ask for you to start speaking? That's why I want to (laughs) know. And then it goes on, and then they're toddling around, and then there's other things that happen about, and then they become teenagers, and we're learning this as we go. And then you're like, I wish they would talk. When it gets teenagers, you're like, I wish they would talk. Yeah, it's a new navi- it's a new thing to navigate. You think, oh, they're gonna, oh, they talk, we have, and then it changes. Things change and hormones come in. We're learning as we go. And this is what it's like walking with God. We're learning as we go. We're learning as we go in our walk with God. We're learning how to navigate through things. So we forget. We forget all the, th- the things that happen because we're in a crisis right now, don't we? Hang on a minute, God. My child didn't carry on crawling. Like I remember, Michael McIntyre was saying once, like we're so worried about will my kid walk, and then and then you're like, have you ever seen an adult crawling around the ground, like going out for shopping? Like they're gonna get there, aren't they? They're gonna get there. So that uh, that realization that we might face trials as we go, like, oh, is it is it gonna happen? Is this gonna happen? Is this gonna happen? And yet, God is always faithful. He always answers. And then when it's our new trial, suddenly. It's like, oh, this is it, God. This is the end. And God's like, if you really take a step back and you really look at this situation, is it, is it actually worse than anything you've ever faced before and you think, oh, actually, it's nothing compared to actually what I've already been through. And actually, you're really faithful in that, God. So if you've done that there, you can do it here. So remember what God has already done. Maybe even write a prayer like Jehoshaphat's. If you're in a situation... Write down the promises. Write down the things. God, did you not do this before? Have you not done this before? Because you'll realize by any of it, you're like, oh, you'll do what they did. Turn your eyes to the Lord. Oh, he's done it. What am I, what am I thinking? Of course he's done it. and Of course he can do it. Number four, um, remember who he is. There it is. Remember who he is. Remember who you serve. Remember what he can do. Remind yourself that he is sovereign. He is God. Don't treat him like like he's on call. And you can just call him when you've got problems and then ditch him when you don't. Remember who you are serving. This is the king of kings, the lord of lords. Acknowledge his sovereignty. Number five. this This is really important. This last bit, verse 12, it says, for we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Number five is, accept you are powerless to overcome this without God. Accept that you are powerless to overcome it without God. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to, Cut the corners. Stop trying to, to, to work out a maneuver. Like, oh, if I, if I do this, maybe I'll get to, to, to where we need. Come to the acceptance. You're surrounded by the enemy. You're consumed by a situation. You're in a storm. And you're powerless to overcome it on your own. As soon as you can come to that realization that you need surrender, that you need to just come and say to the Lord, I can't do this. That's when God can get to work. So you are in the way of your blessing. <laughs> you're in the way of the prayer that you need answering. Because you're still telling God, I think I can do it. I think I'm all right. I think I'm okay. And he's waiting for you to come to the conclusion, which we all do. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. Verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of um, Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of um, Mathaniah, um, a Levite, the sons of um, Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and your, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them, and they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judea and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. We, <laughs> Amen. Once you've turned your attention to God, once you remind yourself of who he is and what he can do, once you've accepted that you can't do this in your own strength and you get to that place of surrender. I can't do this alone anymore. I can't do this my way. Once you get to that place and you just say, God, I give up. I I need you to do this. I need you to fix this. I need you to repair this. I can't do this without you. As soon as we get to that point, God will respond with an answer. And what we do is we go, God, I need to know. God, I need to know. I need to know. And we're running around and God's like, would you just stand still? Will you surrender? Will Will you acknowledge that it's me that will get you out of this mess? And we're like, I need to know. And well, I need to know, and God's like, if you stop running around for just a few seconds and shh, um, you might hear me. If we don't go through that process of those first five things, we will not hear God. We will not get the solution. We will not get the the embodiment of what he's actually saying and what he has already said. So we're searching for God to go, oh, I don't hear God anymore. I I was, uh, the other day I was at home and... uh, I said, God, are you there? And I waited for 12 seconds. I heard nothing. The angels did not come down. There was no choir of angels. There was no angel turning up. There was no pillar of fire. Nothing happened. So I went back to eating my Weetabix and watching whatever it was on TV. And God's like, No, 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 you have an issue, but you're not really actually acknowledging that. And you're surrounded and consumed by it, but you think that I'm just going to just deal out the solution to you. And God is teaching us through these things how to grow closer to him. So we have to. We have to come to him and we have to turn our attention first. Because if we're not turning our attention, the thing that our attention is on is an idol. It's more powerful than God is what we're making it. Is God, is, is, is anything more powerful than God? No, but we don't live like that, yeah? We know the truth, yeah, you know that truth. Nothing is more powerful than God and yet there are times in our life where we make other things more powerful than God. We say, oh, this one's the one. I think I, think I found the one that God can't fix. I think I found this situation that God can't get me through. Like as if it's like really big. And God's like, I can do anything. Nothing is impossible for me. We forget. That's why we then need to remember. We need to turn. We need to empty ourselves. We need to remember what he's done and who he is. We need to empty ourselves that we're not powerful. We have no power to overcome this situation without God. And then this is number six: Once we've done all those things, this is what we need to do next. You can just put the pictures up, like just click the picture. You don't need to put it in front of me. The people online are only going to see it for three seconds, and they don't need to see me all the time. So if it's making it delay, it's okay. So wait for the answer. And this is this is the thing I put in brackets because I was looking over it again um, a couple of days ago. Accept the answer. Wait for the answer, but accept the answer. And this is the other thing, okay. So whilst, whilst we can have these moments where Jehoshaphat had uh, a, the prophet Jahazel to um, give him that insight and information, God's going to fight this battle for you, we have hindsight now. Yeah? So we now know that God will fight the battle for us. Do you know that? Like God, will, Do you know that God will fight the battle for you? Yeah? God might, you know, he's probably thinking, so then why don't you let me fight it then? We know that truth, don't we? But do we accept it? Do we actually accept it? Because what we can do is we can end up trying to do it ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, Lord, I've stood here long enough. And God's like, you stand still, you do nothing. Stand still and I will fight your battle. I will win this for you. And this isn't the only place it says it in the Word, is it? It says it so many times. Stand still. God's like, you don't need to do anything. I'll get all the glory. I will do this. Everyone want to know that there is a God in heaven. Yeah? So, so what we do is we say, I've stood long enough, God. And God's like, you haven't stood anywhere near long enough. Stand still and wait. And accept the answer. So the other side of things is, is that we're not necessarily going to get prophets coming out of the woodwork, telling us what we need to do next. But we have the word of God that tells us what we should do already. So the answer already there. The answer's already been given. So when we start facing battles, when we start having to, to go through processes with the Lord, the scripture already tells us that God will fight the battle for us. And we want to pre, we almost want to be like, I want to strategize how I'm going to fix this problem. And God's like, unless I give you the strategy, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We, we want to try and preempt the enemy. And God's like, I will tell you how to overcome the enemy. If I'm not telling you, you're just going to get yourself all tangled up. You don't need to do anything. You just stand still and watch me fight. You stand still and watch the enemy get defeated. You just follow my lead. And this is why so many Christians fall flat. Because sometimes we can submit. Sometimes we do turn our attention to God. But when it really comes to the fight, when we're in the fight, we think that we're in a fight. And what does that do? makes a mess. People want to fight for injustice. They want to fight for, God says, I'm the one that will bring it. Stand, watch, wait, I will do it. So unless he's telling you to do something, do nothing. You're causing him a headache, he said. Told me that this week. You're causing him a headache. He says, stop it. I have to undo all the mess that you keep creating because you think you need to fight a battle that I've already said continuously through my word that you never have to fight. I will bring your enemies to justice. I will get you through that circumstance. I will defeat. I will destroy. I will tear it down. Stop trying to share glory with God. None of us, according to what you guys have said, need to know that God will fight our battles. We know. But we do need reminding that he will fight our battles. And we need to know that a lot of the time when we're in the midst of the battle. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the kothathites let's go, I don't know, I just butchered that, I'm really sorry, stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out Jehoshaphat stood and said hear me o judah and you inhabitants of jerusalem believe in the lord your god and you shall be established believe his prophets and you shall prosper and when he had con- consulted with the people he appointed those who should, should sing to the lord and should praise the um, the beauty of the holiness and they went out before the army and were saying praise the lord for his mercy endures forever so as soon as the answer came from God, which can come from somebody saying it, but predominantly will just come from the word. It's already written. So the answers you need are in the Bible. Yeah, you want to know how to overcome. You want to know what you're supposed to do. Read your Bible. Yeah, and it's in there. It will tell you. Okay, as soon as the answer came from God, that God would fight the battle and that they would need to do nothing but position themselves and stand still Jehoshaphat worships God. Then the assembly join in, praising and worshiping God. Number seven, praise him before the victory. Praise him before the victory. We want to praise him after the victory. Oh Lord, I give thanks that you have brought me through. And God's saying, actually, I want to change the way you praise. Praise me before the victory. Praise me before it's done, thank me for what I'm going to do because he's promised he'll fight the battle. So whatever battle you're in, whatever storm you're in, instead of telling him over and over again, God, why? God, why is this not happened yet? Praise him. Just say, thank you, God, for the victory. Thank you, God, for the victory. Thank you, God, that you are going to provide. Thank you, God, that you will defeat my enemies. Thank you, God, that you are going to bring justice. I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to praise you because this is what the word shows us is that once we get the confirmation, which is already written in his word, that God will fight, that God is in control, that God has got this. Yeah. Once you've got that, thank him for the healing. Thank him for the transformation that you need to see in, in family or in, in your own life, or thank him for the fact that the addiction's on its way out. Thank him, praise him, Praise him that you're gonna see your children go on from strength to strength with Jesus, even if you can't see it right now. Start worshiping him and thanking him for what he's going to do. Because God's promises are there. They've already been said, they've already been written. If your parents are here and you're struggling with your children, whether they're babies, toddlers, teenagers, or in their 50s, yeah? Like, the, the, the reality of it is, it says, train up your children in the ways of the Lord. They will not depart from it. That's a promise of God. If you have done that with your children, you can hold firm to that truth. And say, God, I'm just praising you for that to come to fruition. I'm praising you that we will see that happen. I'm praising you that they're coming home. I'm praising you that we will see them repent and get right with you. I'm praising you, them, Lord. I'm praising you, God, that we're going to see them just go from strength to strength in their relationship with you. So praise him before the victory. Thank God for what he hasn't done yet, but he has promised he will do. Start thanking him. Start praising him. Oh, that's a very difficult, that's a mindset in itself to have to change, isn't it? Because we're programmed to thank God. We're pro- programmed to say thank you. I mean, every parent says to their kids, certainly when you get something, make sure you say thank you. Where we say thank you once we've got the gift. We say thank you once we've been given something. It's programmed within us. It's not programmed in us to say thank you for something that we haven't seen yet, but it's been promised. Worship God. Worship God in your circumstances. Worship God in what you're going through. Worship God in the storm. Praise him and thank him. You might not feel like it's working right now. You might not see that there's an end to this problem, but there is a promise that goes with it. It's God's promise. I will bring you through the valley. Though I walk through the valley, he leads me. Yeah? These are promises. You can find them. I was reading a book, 7,000 or something promises about you. Things that God says in the Bible. Someone went and counted them all. They're all in there. You want to know what God can do in your life? You want to know what he can do through the situation you're facing? I don't think I can ever get healed from this. Well, there's promises that says he will heal you. He set you free. He can change you. I don't think I can give up this addiction. Well, there's testimony in this very room that that's possible. It's people that have suffered abuse in this room and they're, they're being healed by God and they're being used by God to help others now that suffer abuse. Can you imagine the time when they were in it thinking I could never, ever be. Used by God, I'm never going to get out of this, I'm going to be a wreck, I'm going to be a mess. And yet their head is high, and they're walking in victory today. Praise God before the victory. 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes um, against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and had come against Judea, who had come against Judea, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. 24. So when Judah, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. The message title today is Kill It With Praise. It says, when they had begun to sing and praise, the Lord set the ambush. Kill it today with praise. You might be facing stuff right now. That's why in the middle of worship earlier I said, just just worship him right now. Just praise him right now. The enemy doesn't understand it when we do this. Enemy thinks he's done everything he can to get in your way, to stop you being here, to stop you from worshipping, to stop you from some being in a place of fellowship and encouragement and get prayer, to, to witness a baptism. He, the enemy thinks that there's, he's managed to manoeuvre enough things, put enough whispers in your head to stop you from even getting here. He doesn't even understand how you've managed to get here, let alone that when you get here, you're like, oh, Lord, you're everything. He's like, Everything? But, but the situation doesn't say that. And, but we already know why we worship God. We praise God not because our circumstances is great. We praise God because he rescued us from circumstances that weren't great. He set us free. He pulled us out of a pit that was so dark and so messy. And so beyond us being able to get out of it ourselves. That we praise him. He saved us. From ourselves. So we don't show up to church to worship God because we feel like it. We turn up to worship God because he deserves it. And because we want to acknowledge how good a God he really is. That he is the king of the universe. He is the Lord of all. So we're here worshiping God. So sometimes we can come in and there's no condemnation in this. But we can come in feeling flat. We can come in feeling fatigued. We can come in feeling not so great. We could have a bad situation that's happened with us that week and we come in and we struggle. And yet, if we can just muster up a bit of strength to just say, do you know what? I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to lift your name. If you can do that, it kills whatever it is that's been controlling you. It destroys it because, because the only power it has is what you've given it. So when you say, God, I am not feeling it today, but God says, I'm not, I'm not asking you to worship me with your feelings. I'm asking you to worship me with your heart. So when you show up and you kind of just get up off your chair and you raise a hand to the Lord and you say, God, I am broken right now, but I'm still going to say you're worthy of praise. Hence why we were singing, worthy, worthy, worthy Lord. Yeah, that we praise him above it. It kills whatever was trying to kill you. It kills it. It destroys it because the only power it has is to keep you down. It's to keep you in a place of, of isolation, to keep you in a place of feeling like you're 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 uh you're not good enough to be here. Oh you're so messy. Oh look at your weak. You haven't even been able to read your Bible. Oh you oh. And we're like, oh yeah, I am icky, I'm icky before the Lord. I don't think I could I don't feel oh I won't go, I won't go, I won't go, I feel. Don't feel Jesusy enough at the moment, but if we bow through those moments, instead of letting us be destroyed in our cave at home, feeling sorry for ourselves, and we get up and we get here and we get the kids ready, and that's a nightmare in itself, yeah. And we get that done, and we get them here, and we get her, and we and we make it, and we're like on the chair, and then some idiot like me comes along and says. Come on, let's stand and let's worship the Lord. you're like, oh. But if you do it, that which was trying to destroy you, that which was trying to keep you at home, that which was trying to keep you in the cave, dies. Because your mind is not on that stuff now. Your mind is on the Lord. You've magnified God and minimalized the issue. You've killed it with praise. Kill it with praise. Kill it with praise. Just praise God. Even when you don't feel like it, praise God. Um, I'm not like this anymore. The Lord has taught me a lot of stuff. Yeah, I repented. But when I was, when I was a bit younger in my faith and I was struggling at times and I was driving my car or whatever, my music would shift. I don't want to hear worship. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to put worship on because worship would mean that I can't dwell in my mess and feel sorry for myself. Because worship makes me magnify God. So I'll be, I'll be in the car, whatever, and I'll be like, right, let's get the, uh, old, the old CDs out, or whatever it is. Or shift your music around on your, on your iTunes, or whatever, and put some stuff on, old stuff that you'd listen to, whatever. Nothing horrendous, but just stuff that isn't going to edify you with God. Stuff that isn't going to put you where you need to be. And we could do it, it doesn't have to be music, it could be the way things that you watch on TV, suddenly you just lower your standards could be the people you start hanging around with suddenly. You're going to church, hanging out with people, doing stuff, and thinking, I'm doing right. You hit a brick wall, something happens, and you go like, do you know what, I'm going to hang out with my old mates that make me feel rubbish about myself, but I, I want to feel rubbish about myself, so I'm going to hang out there. This is what we do. But man, if despite the fact that we face some of this junk and this stuff, and this real-life stuff that really happens, you know, hard things that happen in our lives, and we still say, do you know what? I'm going to worship you in the car, Lord. I'm going to get to church and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to sing in the shower. Whatever it is, I'm going I'm to glorify you. You haven't got time to get in your cave. You haven't got time to feed whatever it is that the enemy's trying to get you to believe and feel. You just kill it. You just kill it in that moment. So you can be at your worst. Still put your worship on when you get in the car. I really encourage you, to delete the other playlists so they're not even there to tempt you. But you kill it with praise. Turn to the person next to you and say, today, today, you're going to kill it with praise. Today. I don't know what you're in. I don't know what's going on. But everyone's in something. Everyone's got something that's consuming their time and their mind and their lives. Something's happening. Well, we're going to kill it with praise today. We're going to kill it with praise. 25. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, and they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And there were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Bacharach. Um, and, they, um, and they were blessed. They blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place um, is called the Valley of Bacharach um, until that day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice. Over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with the stringed instruments and harps, trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all round. Do you know do you want to know how to shut the enemy up? Let God fight your battle. If you want to know how to shut up the enemy, if you want to know how to repel future plans against you, let God fight your battles because when the enemy sees and those that are involved with the enemy sees that God has got his hand on your life, yeah, fear comes upon them. Isn't it interesting how the story began? Fear came upon Jehoshaphat that led him to turn to God because the enemy had brought the intimidation tactic to try and destroy. I'm here to intimidate you. Oh, we're going to surround you. We're going to destroy you. We outnumber you. But Jehoshaphat, he turns his attention to the Lord and goes through a process as we've been learning. And how does it end? That the enemies of God And those that were surrounding the people of God, they feared God now and the people connected to him. Your obedience to let God fight your battles will mean you'll stop seeing so many things happen that were meant to happen, that were planned to happen. And it's them that will fear. It's that that will fear it's Satan that will flee despite the battle looking bleak and painful and overwhelming this is number nine God will bless you through it this battle will bless you how is that possible? It's just what God does. It's just what God does. This battle will bless you. Did it say at the beginning, oh, Lord, if you could win this battle, we could then have even more abundance by getting all the jewelry and it takes us three days to collect. And that's our plan. That ultimately, we just want to be blessed. No, there was no, they were like, Lord, can you save us? Are you there? Will you, will you, will you turn up? This It's just the bonus that goes with following God and being obedient to him. How can God bless you in a battle? Well, that's what God does. Look for the blessing in the battle. Look for the blessing at the end of the battle. See what God has really done. Not only has he turned the fear around so the enemy now is in fear, they've been able to have more than they had before the battle began. And yet the threat was, we're here to wipe you out. And yet they wiped themselves out and actually ended up giving more benefit to the people of God. Who did what? Nothing. They stood and they watched God work and all they did was praise him. They just praised him. And they praised him before anything even happened. They started praising him and God set up the ambush. And we've got to get this in our hearts and in our minds. This battle will bless you. So even if you're in a battle and you're thinking, man, I'm getting defeated. I'm getting poked on every side. It feels like I'm at the end of all things. Know this. If you stand still and let God fight the battle and you hold on to him and just praise him before the victory, you will be blessed. You will be blessed through it. This story finishes and ends with rest and with peace. Many of you may be facing a battle or are in a battle, but God is saying, that's temporary. Turn to the person next to you and say, "It's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary. This will pass. Tell them that. This will pass. This will pass. It's temporary. His goal for us is to bring us through the battle that we would know peace and rest. When God moves in your life, when he brings you through, when you've seen it killed and you are free, don't seek another battle. Enjoy that feeling of not having that weight of pain discouragement, fear, abuse, rejection in your life anymore. It's gone. Now rest. It's over. Get used to the new you. That thing that was there, it's not there anymore. Get used to the new you. Get used to what it feels like. Adjust to how that works. You are free now. Number 10, soak up the rest and enjoy the new you. And these 10 things aren't, a uh, oh, this is just for the battle you're in today. This is for every battle that you face. You'll be consumed by the fear of what it can do. And we need to turn our attention to God. We need to empty ourselves of that fear We need to remember who he is and what he has done. And we need to come to the conclusion that I cannot do this in my own strength. I need God to help me through it. And once we get to that place of surrender, wait for the answer. Wait for the answer and accept the answer sometimes when God says something we don't like it but we got to accept it accept what God says accept the answer that's given and if you want to know the answers to certain things You have a Bible, it's all in there. Over 7,000 promises that God has made to you that you can hold to. Find them, read them. Maybe once you've got that answer and you know victory's on its way, then start praising him before anything has even happened. Before you see Anything happen to the enemy before you see the situation overcome, before you see the storm disperse, before any of that happens, praise him in the storm. Praise him despite the circumstances. Praise him despite being surrounded by the enemy. Praise him knowing that God has got you the victory. And as you do that, as you do that, God will set the ambush Keep praising him, keep praising him, keep praising him. Even if nothing's happening, keep praising him, keep praising him. And in the midst of your praise, at some point, God will set the ambush and the enemy will be destroyed. You will kill it with your praise. No one wants to hear this type of message because they want to they know that they can feel sorry for themselves. They want to know that there's, but the truth is, praise, praise destroys the schemes and the works of the enemy. I want to give you a quick testimony before we finish up with the last few. When COVID was going on and we were worshiping God um, in the pandemic. And, um, and I remember at the time we were thinking, oh, Lord, like we want to worship you and we're going to worship you. But it was a very difficult moment back then, wasn't it? It was um, we had to be separated. We had to there was masks. There was hair, hand gel. We were outside for, for a lot of what, what we did. But one day, when um COVID strain, actually the one that put me in hospital, um, came along. Um, it uh. It was like the severe one, the worst one that was out all of them, and they said you need to come in to get people need to come in and get um vaccinations if you're in certain postcode areas. And I remember at the time thinking, okay, and I looked um on the website that was there. It's on there the you know whatever government website it was that set it up to go to wherever you had to go to get the jab. And, um, and, it's, and I, someone said, oh, my postcode's not there. And it was BS 164 And I thought, that's odd, because it's the same as my house postcode. It's also the same as the church postcode. So I thought, that's odd. And they said, what happens if your postcode's not there? And, that, and it literally the person said, if your postcode's not there, then you don't need to come in, because there's no, no records there. And so I searched it up. I looked up every postcode around, BS 16-4, so all the other ones, whatever they might be. And I looked at it, and all of them, everyone had to go in. Everyone had to go and get a jab, everyone. And then I realized, God said, that's because of praise. That's because of worship. See, darkness, darkness, the enemy, yeah, is defeated by Praise. And we don't praise God enough, but if we praise God, and we glorify Him, and we lift Him up despite our circumstances and the situations we in, we're in, it's like, has anyone seen um, ink and it has that, like the bleach goes into it, and it was like that. It was like, that's what it looked like. It was like a, a circle of ink and just a blot that was just whited out. I've got a picture of it somewhere. It's ridiculous because we're not, we're not on the edge of a sea. We're landlocked. We're surrounded by all the other postcodes. People drive through Hillfields as a shortcut to get to Stable Hill and Kingswood and everything. Walk through it, come to the park, and yet, if you look at the picture, the church is in the center of that blot of bleach hitting the ink. And it can only be down to the praise and the worship of God. Scientifically, it doesn't make sense, spiritually, it does. So, praise changes things. Praise breaks chains. Praise pushes back the enemy. Praise defeats the enemy. You've already defeated the enemy by showing up today. You know that? Because his goal is always to get you in isolation. to get you in your own head. So if you've managed to praise him despite your circumstances, praise has already defeated the enemy today. God is just challenging us. Praise kills the schemes and the works and the circumstances and the mindsets all the stuff that can come towards us whether it's from the enemy whether it's from ourselves whatever it may be society praise will kill it praise will destroy it praise will bring it to an end number nine the battle will bless you and number ten soak up the rest and enjoy the new you